right, here we are again talking about coaching. Today's question is, how do you ascertain if a client is a good fit? All right, so let's let's dive in straight away. Who would like to get started? Yeah, I, I think, first of all, I want to acknowledge the question. Um, I think it's an important one because I um, the one thing that I've noticed over the years um, when I looked at the super successful coaches, the one who like make lots and lots and lots of money and uh, they, they're quite bold and like maybe their, their coaching style is, is a bit out there. I'm like, something I noticed about them is that they pick their clients very carefully. Mm. No, um, when you pick your clients carefully to make sure that it's a really good match to what you're offering, that's why they get such powerful results. Um, for example, um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite open to who I work with. Maybe it's because of my kind of existential philosophy that under, under the grounds my, my practice, uh, the kind of target group of people in the world with other people. I mean, I, I got a bit more niche uh, in that sense, but uh, I, I do like working with different people from a range of different philosophies, ways of working, you know, some very visual, some very cognitive, some very emotional um, I like that. I, it, it adds uh, excitement to my work, and I need that kind of diversity uh, to keep myself um, to keep myself excited. But um, if you figure out a particular kind of client who fits the kind of coaching that you offer very, very well, for example, when I, I, I have uh, there's a group of clients that kind of uh, work that they're, they're deep thinkers, but they're super competitive. So they're kind of per type A personality and they, they do all the work and they're super disciplined and they can self-regulate. And they, once they've figured out what they want, uh, then, you know, there's no stopping them. And they achieve phenomenal results. It's amazing. Um, but there's other kind of clients who don't kind of have that competitiveness in them. And uh, some of them may be happier because they're less competitive. But uh, certainly there's something about the results and outcomes that they're getting which is um, which is uh, which is less uh, profound in terms of measuring the income. You know, if you're super competitive and you you've got to achieve that success, you know, and you got to make that business work, and you're driven by all of the pain of your childhood or whatever it is, you know, you, you're gonna go very far in terms of your how your business grows, and um, that can be a real joy to work with, um, depending on on what the goals of the coaching are. Um, but the, the point being is that if you only pick very competitive people who already have a bit of a business background and perhaps they're quite, they come in quite charismatic already and they can talk and you know, they can present themselves and they seem quite confident, whether that's true or not on the inside as well, doesn't really, like it, it matters. But uh, if, um, if you pick those people, they're going to get incredible results on, on paper at least. <laughs> so... I know some coaches pick them very carefully so that their clients will go through the roof. And um, that's why I think it's, it can be quite important. Other, other clients, for example, my wife is a psychoanalyst uh, by, by training. And she, she said, well, it, it, ideal client, she questioned that kind of concept. It was difficult to, for her to wrap your head around it because in psychoanalysis, you, you don't, you, you wouldn't even think about who your ideal client, your ideal client is the one who's sitting in front of you. <laughs> you know, you start mm. listening to them and you kind of, but coaching works a little differently. And if we kind of have that, um, that business um, lens uh, onto it as well, um, I think it becomes really important how you pick your clients. 
And I remember last time I was really interested in, in Sivas, you mentioned you have a, you, you pick your clients. I mean, this is not necessarily coaching, but you, you pick your clients for, for your school um, quite carefully as well. So I, I really wonder what, uh, what your perspective is on this. Yeah. Well, I think you mentioned, you mentioned some great things already. And for me, it's, and I mentioned this in previous episodes as well, it's, it's all about having experiment mindset. And of course, within the realms of, you don't want to get too crazy, but I've just tried coaching a lot of different people, right? And, and then slowly I get more and more clear on who energizes me and who drains me. And this is a great exercise that I learned from Rich Litvin, is to make a list of all the people that I've worked with that energize me and people that I've worked with that drained me and then looking at their qualities. And by the way, just to, right, to make it very clear, they can still be beautiful human beings with great characters, but maybe just not the right person for me or for you to work with, right? So as a, we're all different as coaches. So that's one thing. The second thing, there's this quote, quote and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't remember the exact quote, but it's like if you put one bad grape, you know, in a, in, in a I think it's called graveyard, grape, no, I'm not sure what it's called, but if you put, I guess it's with, with any fruit, if you put one piece of bad fruit in a bowl with good pieces, they all go bad. <laughs> this is right? a graveyard. I love it. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm completely screwing this up, right? But the, the idea is there. What, what that really, that was really profound for me because, you know, it's that if you have a community, so I run a lot of groups, but I guess that's also a bit with one-on-one because you spend a lot of time with people, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, people, you know, if you spend time with people, people have an influence on you, whether you like it or not, right? And we can be very good at creating space and making sure that we have our own practices. But, you know, I, you know, for a lot of the work that I do, it's about connection and community. So when I bring someone into the community, I want to make sure that, you know, they're a good fit also for, for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, for people that are not doing groups, just really thinking, well, would you spend time with that person? Or would you, would you even bring that person to your house and introduce them to your, to your partner? Or if you have kids, to your kids, you know, and again, it's not about me becoming close friends because I think it's important to keep those boundaries, but that's the kind of people I want to work with. People that I would love to spend time with, just even invite them for a dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's so important for coaches to recognize that they have a choice in the matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Often I hear from coaches that, you know, if a client knocks on their door or they send them an email and they ask for a consultation, there is like a, an obligation to help them. Mm. You know, when in fact, you can choose your clients. Um, I think therapists do, can do that less because somebody is referred to them. They have an, an obligation of care the duty of care if somebody's getting sent their way. Um, but I think coaches have a lot more freedom to choose who they would like to work with, not just who they could work with. And I had an, one of my first coaching trainers, uh, he was a trained psychotherapist uh, before he became a coach. And he says he doesn't do that kind of work anymore, not because he can't help people who come with her, to him with you know, bereavement or trauma or addiction or something like that, uh, but simply because he doesn't want to anymore. Um, later at some point I asked, uh, whether he would coach me and he said, I, I don't, I only work in organizations now, mm. you know, it's not that he can't do that anymore. And it wasn't a matter of price. He's just not interested in that kind of work anymore. So, um, I think there's a choice and many coaches don't really, um, acknowledge 
that uh, that there is a choice of who to say yes yeah. and no. Yeah, I think the choice is really important. Uh, um, what what are your thoughts on this, Nikki? Um, how do you pick your clients? I mean, I have to say, so reflecting on my experience to date, and of course, it's a lot more narrow and limited than what you guys have had the opportunity to, to work across. Um, that's why we're asking. Yeah, no, for sure. I, get it. <laughs> I, I guess I'm still in that experimental phase. I think, you know, it's also super personal. As a person, I'm someone who kind of, you know, sees the potential and the best in all people. And I think almost my way of discerning is very intuitive. Like, you know, it is more that energetical, which I think Sevash was getting at with, you know, who drains you, who energizes you and kind of, you know, whilst I'm very wanting to adapt and be malleable as part of my own learning experience, become a better coach for more people um, to, to work on that. You know, I, I accept that there will be limitations. Something that would be a strict limitation for me would perhaps be an ethical difference you know if someone came to me and wanted to be coached on how to like cheat on their partner or something crazy like that i'd be like i'm sorry i don't align with your you know with your vision i it's it's not it doesn't match my ethics i wouldn't coach you um on another level i think you know then it becomes a bit more about finding your niche and your interest and i think you know as as a coach and to reflect on what's just been said it's kind of you know I feel like it's not a duty, but it's kind of, you know, it would be almost self-defeating to be a coach and then kind of get suckered into this mindset of I must coach everyone. And I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, as coaches, we, we want to be empowered. We also want to think about where we can offer the most value and what, what sets us on fire. So I think it's, you know, keeping those things in mind. And I think something that's really powerful to think about there is kind of, you know, again, it's that idea of not having to come from needing or like the, the kind of being after the money, it's really being kind of taking a stance on who do I like to work with? Where do I offer value? What inspires me and what aligns with my vision and my purpose for coaching and choosing based on that and not having that mindset of getting people through the door and churning it out and being everywhere um, at the same time, you know? Um, so I guess that's kind of my personal experience and reflections on, on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I think uh, just to kind of um, get quite practical on this because I'm sure there's a lot of uh, a lot of you guys out there who are sitting there and say well but then how does that look like in practice and mm. I think uh, some people go very intuitively with that kind of decision they sit with somebody in a consultation they have a chemistry call or you know they and they, they can feel it they can feel whether that's the right client or not and from experience I can say the, on those occasions where it didn't feel right and I, I wasn't quite sure whether I would like to work with this person. And then I've done it anyway, because maybe I needed the money or maybe I re really felt passionate about helping this person. Um, I, I almost always, uh, regret is a strong word, but like, uh, let's say I've, I've had a lot of supervision and I spend a lot of money on supervision uh, on clients that maybe uh, I, I didn't need to take on. <laughs> um, again, um, that same coaching train actually that I just referred to uh, earlier um, often said uh, with this client that I took on all the money they brought to me I paid straight to my supervisor oh no <laughs> what's the point <laughs> and then somebody yeah. say well the point is to help somebody um, but yeah um, yeah you also don't want to work for free um, yeah well so it's one thing um, mm. oh, go on. no I'm just gonna that brought something else up I think it's very similar to just you know being in a relationship dating someone Mm -hmm. right we we make choices in a certain way i've personally never had a one-night stand because i never thought that that would be something that is aligned with myself right and the same is with coaching i will 
you know, I think in, in my four years coaching, there's two people that signed up after one session and they just, they were like, hey, look, I don't want another session. I really want to do this. I've been following you for a while. But in general, for me, and again, it's not necessarily the right way, but in general, I spend a few sessions with people and I want to get, and by the way, I don't talk about coaching. I just get into it, right? And that's one way of doing it. But I really want to get to know them. I want to really know why they're here, what they've tried. And it's very much like dating for me. It's about really finding out, well, okay, I see what's on the surface level, but what's underneath that? Mm-hmm. Right? Really and driven I, again, by curiosity. Yeah, exactly. And I think we have so much choice in there and we can play around with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and there's, there's a the much more practical element to this because I know there's a lot of people out there who, are, who think quite pragmatically about these things. And uh, there is a different approach to it, whereas, you know, you give your client a set of pre-questions before they come into the consultation mm. or you, they get attracted by your marketing, which puts your values and beliefs and worldview out there. And usually the people who get attracted to us are probably similar to us. Mm-hmm. You know, often the clients that where, where it gels really well, where it feels really right, um, they get, they, 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 we're quite similar. Very often when I go with coaches through this exercise of who your ideal client is, very often it's a version of themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's natural, you know, and that makes sense because it gels quite well. I think we need to be a bit careful when we take somebody on who's very similar to us because we make a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. about what worked for yeah. us might work for them. Mm-hmm. So we need to be careful, but uh, it is a good fit when somebody's quite similar. Um, but maybe if somebody's very different to you, Um, It might be super, super powerful because you come in with a different perspective, which opens different doors. So um, I don't think there's a right or wrong of uh, what kind of client you're working with. Um, But you can uh, ask a bunch of questions beforehand um, or during the consultation to kind of make sure that a client is the right fit. Um, Is it important to you that they're ethically aligned or morally aligned? Um, Is it important to you that they're quite similar to your story, that they resonate with it? Or does it not matter? So there's a lot of questions that a coach needs to ask themselves first uh, in terms of what kind of client do I like to work with? There's, I think there's two categories. Who do I like working with and who do I provide amazing value for? And sometimes they overlap. Sometimes they're the same, but they don't, they're not necessarily. You know, sometimes you provide incredible value to somebody who you don't really like working with so much, but you can. It's like a, an, um, a technician who fixes your car but they're really passionate about working with that old timer in the back, mm-hmm. you know, but they can fix the exhaust pipe of your Vauxhall Corsa, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just like sometimes you apply skills, the coaching skills to create a space where somebody can figure stuff out. Um, lots of coaches I, I supervise in organizations that they're, they're not so passionate about some of the coaching work that they do, but it's a job and they do it because they can provide great value. So I think these are some of the important questions we need to ask ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's also sometimes to to be okay with just actually going sometimes on at the first, you know, when you first meet someone, it looks maybe that that person is not a great client or not a great potential client. But I've often had that when I just got into a conversation, you know, I get really surprised. And, and I've had the same thing in the other way where I thought, wow, this is, could be an amazing client, like a dream client. And I've had one or two conversations of like, no, this is actually not the kind of person I want to work with. So it's really nice also to just really go with that and not always make assumptions. 
because sometimes we see something on face face value and we just want to sometimes go there i think there's a lot of growth that can come for us coaches to go to places that you know we're not used to mm-hmm. yeah and it gets really interesting with that uh, with the pre-questions because at some point there will be a lot more people asking you for coaching than you can actually have consultations with mm-hmm. and yeah. right now i chose my consultations to be quite long because I, i want to really get to know somebody like that i'm similar to you there Sivas. um but uh, i like how do you say yes or no to certain consultations i mean i'm now i'm booked out for six weeks for consultations if my oh. consultations were 30 minutes or 20 minutes or 15 minutes um just to kind of have a very quick chemistry call I could potentially take on a lot more clients, but I would probably need to figure out uh, quite a quite a effective way to to weed out the clients that don't gel with me and have mm-hmm. consultations with those who reach out and say and where there's a better fit. So there's a lot of coaches out there who use uh, a system that they've developed over the years. The kind of questions that you know your ideal client, so to speak, would answer in a particular way. You know, and uh, some give them psychometrics beforehand so they can be like, oh, I, I'm only going to be working with the INTP MBTI style, uh, types, mm-hmm. you know, or certain characteristics or certain mm-hmm. values or certain industries or certain income. You know, some people put their prices on their website because they know a certain amount of client will not even reach out because the price is too high for them. You know, mm-hmm. that's a really good argument for putting your prices on the website because you kind of filter out the people who might not be a good match for your coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, we make a lot of assumptions when we do that. So we need to be a bit careful. Um, but sometimes we need to be pragmatic and say, well, if there's a hundred people who want to work with me, but I only have time to have conversations with 10, you know, how do I make sure, how do I develop a system um, of pre-questions or, you know, uh, um, pre-interviews or something How do I design my website so that the right kind of client finds their way to me? And then I use my time effectively. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think as, as one, as a coach's business grows, the system needs to be upgraded. Mm-hmm. So for example, I don't invite people into a two hour con- conversation anymore, unless I know, I, unless I know them from, from a previous, like unless there's an existing relationship. So if there's someone new, there's always a 20 minute call. Okay. So in that 20 minutes call, it's basically just like a good fit, fit or no fit call. So we get really clear in that 20 minute call where that person can move into the next phase or not. And if in some, and again, you know, if it's not a good fit, you know, I can refer them to someone else or, you know, I have a smaller program that I can refer them to, but it's just really important that we evolve with our business because you cannot just have conversations anymore if you like with yourself your calendar is full for six for the next six weeks you know this is one of the systems that you want to look at is well i could have some pre-questions but then i could have like a 15 or 20 minute qualification call right so the way i look at it is like if you look at x factor or idols you know if they had only 20 people apply for that they could just say well you can all come and let's check who's really good but if you have thousands of people apply you know they just have like a one minute Well, you get one minute, show us what you got, yeah. right? Mm. And I think we, we can do this really, it's kind of like a quality control, but we can do this from a place of service. It doesn't need to be just all business. Yeah. 
Right. So guys, if you're out there and you can't wait to be coached by Siavash, you know, the thousands of you just apply <laughs> and, you know, we, we give you a minute each and you just give it all you got. And then yeah, be cool. we, we eliminate one every week until we have the a coach X Factor. <laughs> Love it. The S Factor. <laughs> anyway. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, that was great. Um, guys, I, I hope that was useful to you. And uh, um, I think that there was a lot more coming out of this than, than I had thought, to be honest. Mm. Uh, so th thanks for, for sharing. Um, yeah. And, I'd, and if you have questions around, you know, around this, just put it in the comments. And also let us know, like, what's been one thing you got out of this, out of this conversation? Mm -hmm. I'd love to know the systems that other people developed to uh, filter out the right clients. Um, that would mm. be super interesting to know. Yeah. Cool. Thank you very much, guys. See you next time. Hey, everybody. If you found this conversation helpful for you and your coaching practice, then there's a couple of ways that you can support the podcast and stay up to date with future episodes. Obviously, you can subscribe on here on YouTube if that's your jam. If you want to get it straight into your inbox, never miss an episode, uh, there's a link in the description to can sign up for our mailing list. You can uh, leave us a review or follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And uh, come join us on Facebook. Um, we'll get the conversation going there. Uh, obviously, leave us a comment. Uh, you can support us on Patreon. And uh, any way you choose to do that, uh, tell a friend, whatever you want to do. We really appreciate it. And we hope you get a lot out of it. So see you next time. Bye.